that don't you <laughs> you can't have it <laughs> sometimes that's what our lives feel like isn't it under pressure and that's what we're thinking about and wanting to consider for a few moments this morning as part of our current series which is called bringing the bible to life work i'm under too much pressure sometimes life can feel a bit like that the egg getting pressure from every part and it's just about to crack open. But God's got some stuff to say about how we deal with that this morning. I know we've got quite a few retired people in the congregation. <laughs> so uh, you can't answer this question. But what kind of occupations do we have here this morning? So, Farmer. farmer. <laughs> Is that a farmer, that? <laughs> Come on, shout them out. Accountant. Accountant. God bless you. <laughs> yes, I, I really mean that. <laughs> Come on, you must be more than farmers and accountants in the congregation. Administrator. Administrator. Teacher. Teacher. GP. GP. Dispensing optician. Dispensing optician. Welder. Welder. Dog groomer. Dog groomer. Cashier. Cashier. Engineer. 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 Nurse. Support worker. Project manager. Project manager. There's lots more, aren't there? There are business people here this morning who run companies or who are directors or managers. All sorts of occupations across the whole spectrum of life. What are the kind of pressures that you face in your work? Let's just have one or two shout out. Deadlines. Deadlines. Meltdown. Meltdown. <laughs> People pressure. All <laughs> oh, right. So do you provide pressure for other people, or they provide it for you? Relationships. Expectations, good one. Life or death? Risk. Financial. So many different pressures that we face. This is the last day of Mental Health Awareness Week. Pressure can bring a negative effect upon our well-being. It causes stress and it can affect us. A colleague of mine at the living rooms read this little, it's not quite a poem, but a little article to me. You can sound confident and have anxiety. You can look healthy, but feel awful. 
You can look happy, but feel miserable inside. You can be good-looking and feel ugly. So be kind, because every person is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And it's true this morning, isn't it, as I look around the congregation, and I know many people here who put on a brave face, and it's right to do that, and we trust God. But underneath, they're fighting a battle that perhaps we don't know anything about. A Bupo would tell us that 44% of people in the UK suffer from stress caused by the pressures of 21st century living. And so what we're going to talk about for a few moments this morning is largely about pressure at work. But of course, the principles apply across all of our lives, whether it's pressure of relationships, pressure in retirement, whatever those pressures are. In research, again by Bupa, they surveyed more than 10,000 Britons and found that 28% have experienced stress for more than a year. And that 27%, that's more than a quarter, regularly feel close to breaking point. That's a huge number of people. If left unchecked, prolonged period of time, stress can cause, I'm quoting from Bupa now, more serious long-term mental well-being and physical illnesses such as anxiety and depression. And they say there is a growing problem of long-term stress in this country which needs to be addressed. And as many of you will know, that's one of the reasons for the advent of the living rooms in our town where people can go to relax and just attend to their well-being. Pressure at work. Third of UK workers experiencing anxiety, depression or stress in another survey that was done. And along with money worries, they're the two biggest causes for stress in our society. And this other report that I read said stress and anxiety are the two biggest causes of sick leave costing the UK economy £6 billion in lost productivity. And the GPs will tell you that they're constantly under pressure to prescribe antidepressants. Now, maybe you are one of those persons on antidepressants. I don't want you to feel guilty here this morning because we're all, at one stage or another, on that spectrum. We all handle pressure in a different way, just as we handle physical illnesses in a different way. And Christians are not immune from this. The pressures of life, the pressure at work affects us just the same as everyone else. I also tell you there's good pressure and bad pressure, or there's good stress and bad stress. Did you know there was good stress? And that there is an element of good stress that causes a release of hormones in our body, as you'll know, adrenaline and cortisol, the two main ones that are released when we're put under a little bit of stress, and that puts us into action. It gives us the ability to just get on with the job and get it done. It's a kind of fight or flight situation that if we didn't have that, we'd just be lethargic. So that's good. But the problem is that when that builds up and becomes more than just a little, it becomes bad for us. And so this morning I'm going to encourage you all to bear with one another and to look at one another in a way which says, well, I might not be the same as you, but I'm going to care for you, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to respect your situation. We're going to look this morning for a few moments at Genesis chapter 39, because the Bible has something to say about this. We're going to look for a moment or two and have a little glimpse at the life of Joseph. Joseph was a man at pressure in his situation at work. 
And so what can we learn about Joseph that could help us in our lives? So we're going to read Genesis 39. Just before we do that, let me just put you in the picture as to what's happened so far. So we start to read about Joseph in Genesis 37. He was the youngest son of Jacob. And he was a daddy's boy. He was the favorite in the family because he was born when Jacob was old. And you'll know the story from Sunday school if you're not a regular Bible reader uh, of Joseph and his amazing multicolor dream coat, the musical made famous by Andrew Lord Webber and Tim Rice. And Jacob gave him this multicolored coat. Joseph was a bit precocious because he snitched on his brothers and that put them against him in the first place. And then he got this wonderful gift that was way and above what the other brothers had been given. And so one day Jacob sent Joseph out to meet his brothers on the hillside as we were looking after the sheep. And they thought, this is a time to get him. We're going to get our revenge here. And to cut a long story short, they were going to kill him. But it was Reuben and Judah who stopped him being killed. He got put down a well. And then some Ishmaelites came along. And the decision was made to sell him. In order to explain what had happened to his father, they dipped the coat in blood and took it back. And his father was distraught, thinking that Joseph had been killed. And so the plot was made. Joseph was sold into Egypt. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 39. And we're going to read the whole of the chapter. So this is a a chapter that really is in the middle of the early part of Joseph's life, but the middle of, of when his troubles at work started. And Joseph was about 17 at this time. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day when he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. He then left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard my scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. 
But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When the master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Wonderful story. And as I say, he was 17 when that occurred. And so I think there are three principles that will help us dealing with pressure at work that come from this passage. And the first one is the presence of the Lord. You'll have picked up that on several occasions in that passage, the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And God is present with you in your work situation. You know, if you do the calculations, if we're working, we spend the majority of our waking time during the week at work. We spend quite an infinitesimally small amount of time at church or with church activities. And so if God was only with us when we met with other Christians or at church, that would be only a small percentage of the time. God is with us all the time and he's interested in our work. What would it have been like to have been a slave in Potiphar's house? Joseph was a foreigner. He immediately wouldn't have known the language. It was a different language. Even though he was there a number of years, and in actual fact, the passage that we've read spans about ten years. Joseph was in Potiphar's house for ten years before he was in prison. He was in prison about three years. Added to his 17 means that when he became prime minister of Egypt, he was about 30 years of age. So that chapter spans about ten years. Even though he'd been there that length of time, he's referred to by Potiphar's wife as that slave. He was always down there. He was always the one who we picked up and we paid a few bob for to clear up the mess. And he would have started out by doing all the menial tasks. He'd have been treated like a slave would be treated because he was a slave. And yet, there was something about the way in which Joseph did his work which commended itself to Potiphar. And I wonder if that's part of a lesson for us today. Potiphar, his master, saw that the Lord was with him. I wonder how he saw that the Lord was with him. Was it that he was the one that didn't just do the work and go, but he actually was prepared to go the extra mile a little bit? Was he the one that was always a bit sympathetic to the others? Don't worry, I'll, I'll sort that out for you. Was he kind and courteous? Was it his attitude towards his master and his colleagues at work, even though he was the bottom of the run of the ladder, that somehow Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. I wonder what your colleagues would say about you and how you demonstrate the Lord's presence with you at work. But in dealing with stress, isn't it wonderful to know that when we are in a stressful situation at work, we are not carrying that alone. God is with us. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will be with you and help you to carry that burdensome situation. Pressure at its worst is when we are alone. When we feel that no one cares, no one's interested, no one actually understands. 
And so the first point this morning is that the Lord is with us. Our own reaction to stress, the way in which we deal with it, can influence how much effect that pressure has upon us. I'll say that again. The way we react to it, the way we treat it, the way we let it get to us, can affect how much if actual effect that has upon our lives. And giving it to God and asking for his help and his intervention is one of the ways in which we can deal with it. I wonder if Joseph realized what Paul says in Ephesians 6. And that is, when you're doing your work, you're not just doing it for somebody else. If you trust God, you actually are working for the Lord. That's what it says in Ephesians 6, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, work as though you were working for the Lord rather than just for other people. And he goes on to say then, also, if you're an employer, remember that you're working for the Lord as well and treat your employees in the right way. Also, when you've got God, you've got someone whom you can talk to and receive help from. In other words, receiving help from and talking to, we call it prayer. Now, it says nothing about the fact that Joseph prayed. It doesn't actually say that. But how did he know how to interpret dreams? How did he know to do that? Clearly, he had heard from God. And we see him interpreting dreams from those who were in prison with him, which we haven't read. We see him interpreting, well, he had a dream initially that caused the problem that he got stuck down the well. (laughs) When he had a dream and he saw sheaves bowing down to him and then stars bowing down to him. But he was a man who was in touch with God. He was a man who was communicating with God. And often when we find ourselves, I know when I found myself in stressful situations and pressure situations, actually, sometimes we run away from God. We feel embarrassed. We shouldn't feel like that. We feel that we've failed. You know, God's at the top of the stairs there with his arms open, saying, just come on up. It doesn't matter how you feel. I want to help you. And prayer is an enormously helpful thing When we don't know what to do, and the Bible says in the New Testament, when we don't even know how to pray, we come to God and the Holy Spirit will make that prayer for us, even if we're stuck for words. Also, quite often, other people can help us in that not-aloneness. In other words, if we share our problems with another person, another person that we can trust, they, even if we're struggling to find God ourselves in the situation, they can bring God into that situation. So if you're suffering from pressure, find somebody. If you're suffering from stress, find somebody that you can go to in confidence and share. You know, it is true that a burden shared is a burden halved. But it's a burden that's shared, it's a burden 90% taken away often if it's bringing the Lord into the situation. Clearly, Joseph communicated with God. Paul says, doesn't he, in Philippians, be anxious about nothing. (laughs) That's easy to say. But don't be anxious. What's the solution? Bring your petitions with prayer and thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will... Sometimes we're never taken out of that pressure situation. Sometimes it will stay there. Sorry to say. If you're working in the NHS, it ain't going to go away. If you're working in education, it ain't going to go away. It's a fact. It's going to be there. So just like the disciples on the storm, we cry out for God to come. Sometimes we're not taken out of the storm, but we're given the peace to go through it. The peace of God that passes understanding will take you out of the situation. It doesn't say that. It says the peace of God that passes understanding will be yours so that you can go through that pressure situation unlike other people.
Now, I've got a testimony for you, and it's from Pete Stanley. He can't be here this morning. Pete and Bethany are part of our church. Pete will tell you about himself. Bethany's a head teacher in a school, and she has got a bundler's dress. And they have two children, Josiah and Caleb. So here's Pete's testimony. This morning, I'm here with Pete Stanley. Good morning, Pete. Tell us what your work is and what kind of pressure you face. I'm a a salesman. I sell machinery into the amenity market, which is things like councils and golf courses, sports clubs. And the biggest pressure really is actually finding the business because it's a declining market. Do you think God's interested in your work? Absolutely. Um, I think God's interested in everything. And I'm here doing this because it's part of the road God's got for me. And how do you cope with that pressure? Pressure focuses the mind, so... Often it's, you know, well, God, I've got to find some work, it's a quiet month, or it's talking to God, asking for help. And do you find God does get involved? I seem to keep finding the business. (laughs) (laughs) But something's happened just recently, Pete. Tell us about that. Unfortunately, I've been made redundant, which was completely out of the blue. Um, Things were going quite well this year, figures were on the up and that. But the company's changed direction, focusing their interests elsewhere. Did that bring unexpected pressure? Uh, tremendously, <laughs> yes. Because things were going well, it was yeah, big shock, big shock. And, and, and how did that affect you? Uh, prompted two questions. Why and what? You know, well, wh- why has this happened and what does this mean? And um, I've had to seek some help to try and work that out. So, so what, what have you done? Um, Two things, really. Um, one was more praying. Um, and secondly, was to find somebody to talk to, somebody in the church, somebody who also would hear from God, that I believe hears from God, get some advice and some support and some encouragement from them. Have you found that helpful? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, invaluable. Absolutely. And so where are, you, where are you at now? Job hunting. I've had some interviews that I'm waiting for a response from. I've got some other interviews to have. The biggest thing now is knowing which way God is leading. Yeah. And what advice would you give anyone who faces pressure at work? Share it with somebody. Find somebody in church, somebody that can hear God's voice with you, and just seek the Lord. Share your pressure. Thanks, Pete. That's really great. We'll pray for you that you soon get the next job. Thank God you. Bless you. Good and honest, yeah? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for that testimony. And we just pray for Pete now, as we promised to do, that you'd help him to find the right next job and that you'd be with him in the meantime. In Jesus' name, amen. You're not alone. God is with you. And as Pete said, if you're feeling that kind of stress and pressure, as Pete has found, find somebody that you can share it with. Yes, Pete's been praying and he's been asking others to pray. But get somebody alongside you who will help you along the journey. The second thing that we learn from this passage about pressure is the protection of the Lord. God is there to stop us falling. And in our staff readings this last few weeks, we've been reading about Noah. And it says of Noah that Noah found grace. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And the word favour and the word grace in the New Testament, the Greek word is charis. It's the same word, favour and grace. And how many times in that passage did we read that Joseph found favour and that the Lord had given him favour in the circumstances that he found himself in? 
First of all, when his brothers took him and they were going to kill him, God provided a way of escape, Reuben and Judah. They came along and they said, don't kill him, we'll put him down a well. And when they put him down the well, they were still going to kill him. The Ishmaelites came along and the plan was to sell him. Reuben and Judah were a way of escape to stop and protect Joseph. It wasn't the end. When he was sold to Potiphar, he thought he was back on an even keel again. And for years and years, ten years, he was in Potiphar's house. And he got so much favour there, God had blessed him with so much favour, that he reached the very top. Potiphar didn't have to worry about the electricity bill or the gas bill. Joseph would take care of that. He would sort the bin men out. Everything was sorted. All he had to do was worry about what the next meal was. That's what it says there. All he had to concern himself out was the menu. Everything else was taken care of. And yet something went wrong. Isn't that life? (laughs) Oh, God's given me favour. And then something goes wrong and we say, like Pete, why did it happen? Well, there is a bigger picture (laughs) that we don't often see. But even in that situation, there where there could have been no hope, he was wrongly treated. I mean, being put in prison for three years for something you haven't done. That must be in itself an immense pressure. Psychological pressure. You know, to put it in a Christian context, I'm a Christian, I've been put in prison for something I haven't done, and I thought the Lord was with me. Well, blow me. But God had a plan. God was protecting him. And in that prison, he gave him the ability to interpret dreams, which eventually got him out of the prison. And often it's only when we look back that we see God's protection on our lives. Joseph comments in Genesis 50, When he reveals himself to his brothers at the end of the story, which we haven't time to read this morning, he says this to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You see, over all of Joseph's life was God's protection. He wanted to save Israel, his chosen people, in the the land, you know, the the dreams that Pharaoh had, there were going to be seven years of, of, of plenty, then seven years of famine. And Joseph was able to interpret the dream which gave him favour for Pharaoh. Joseph's father and brothers came down to Egypt and as a result they settled in the land, they got food and Israel, God's chosen people, the plan was kept going. God had his protection over Joseph's life. And in all of your pressure, in all of your stress, just think, if we trust the Lord, God is in control. And although I can't tell you what's going to happen next, And I can't work it out. Let's have the faith that God will do it. Because he will be faithful to us and to his promises. If you don't know the Lord this morning, then God can be with you. And he can protect you. Don't do it alone. Another testimony is Judith Smith, who's going to come up now and share what this means to her and how she's dealt with stress. Come on, Judith. Thank you so much. I feel a bit stressed this morning, to be honest, (laughs) and under a bit of pressure. Well, preaching is a stressful thing also. I was wondering whether you'd do Pete first or mine, so when you did Pete, I was... All right, sorry about that. That's fine, I'm fine. So what do you do, and what pressures do you face at work? I work as a colorectal specialist nurse at the Fryridge Hospital. I'll probably give you more information one-to-one, rather than talk about people's bowels. So what I do is I support people normally with the diagnosis of a bowel cancer, from their diagnosis through the duration of their disease. So I'm there with people whose diagnosis is potentially curative, 
and for other people it's life-threatening. So a lot of the pressure I'm under in my work situation is dealing with people's emotions, their feelings, how raw they are when they get a diagnosis. How, how does that affect you then? I have to protect myself. Mm. I can't be all things to all people. I'm often there either at the end of the telephone or in consultations when they're given their diagnosis with a consultant. And it's tough. And I just have to not let myself get brought down by it. Mm. And how does God help you in that? He does. I often pray for wisdom. So okay. when I'm left with somebody being given a diagnosis, I pray that I'll be given the right words to say. And he gives me that. Right. Sometimes you only get the one chance to say the right things. Oof. Or pray for discernment. So when there's long periods of silence and a patient perhaps doesn't know what to say, I pray just for the right words and discernment to know what they're feeling and mm. how they're feeling. So how would you say your faith helps you in your work? I try and be Jesus to these people, to, mm. to my patients. Yeah. I obviously, I can't talk about my faith. We're very limited within the health service and as healthcare professionals what we can say. But... I couldn't do my job on my own strength. Mm. I think my compassion would go, my kindness would go. God gives me that for the, my patients. And so what advice would you give anyone who's suffering from stress as a result of pressure at work? I think you've got to be kind to yourself. I think you've got to recognise where the pressures are coming from. I think you've got to protect yourself. As you've said earlier, as Pete said, I'm very lucky I've got a very supportive husband. Mm -hmm. You've got to get that balance between work and leisure. Right. You know, we can't spend our whole time worrying about work. I like to be able to, at the end of the day, leave the fry ridge, maybe download to John a little bit, have a quiet time when I get home from work, and mm. um, try and get that balance correct. Great. Thank you very much. Very helpful. We just pray for Judith. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for Judith. We thank you for her honesty. We thank you for the work that she does and we just pray for her this morning that as she deals with such life-changing situations with patients, she will be given the right words to say and that your love and compassion for people will come through Judith. We, we pray that you'll help her in stressful and precious situations to offload to you that you would pour in your balm and your peace by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Judith. And finally this morning, so we've got three Ps. The first one was the presence of the Lord, that Lord God is with us in our situations. The second is the protection of the Lord, that he's there uh, with us in control and is looking out for us and, and is, is protecting. The third P is the purposes of the Lord. Benjamin Disraeli said once, the great secret of success in life is for a man to be ready when his opportunity comes. And three times Joseph was put in charge. He was promoted in Potiphar's house and put in charge. Everything goes pear-shaped and he goes down like snakes and ladders. He's down to the bottom run again. And he starts up in the prison. Prisons weren't like prisons today. Joseph was given favourite with the prison warder. And Joseph was put in charge. And just like Potiphar's household, the prison warder then had nothing to worry about. Joseph had the keys, he had everything. It wasn't a problem. He could be trusted. Something of God was seen in Joseph in the, the most difficult and most pressured of situations when he was in jail. So the warder put Joseph in charge of those held, not just of the prison, those held in the prison. 
and he was made responsible for all that was done. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Then he gets the opportunity to interpret a dream and the cupbearer who is promoted back into Pharaoh's household remembers, ah, I remember when Joseph has dreams, nobody can interpret the dreams and he's ready to kill his magicians and his soothsayers because nobody can do it. The cupbearer, the chap in charge of the wine, wine merchant, says, I remember I was in prison. Joseph comes out, interprets the dreams and within no time at all, Pharaoh recognises that the spirit of God is in Joseph. Isn't it amazing? And he puts him in charge. And Joseph is prime minister of Egypt. We don't know how many years for, but longer than most prime ministers today. But at least 14 years, because it was seven years of famine and seven years of plenty, but for many years after. If we trust in God's purposes for our lives, it helps to relieve the pressure that we're not having just to do this planning and programming ourselves. It's not to say that God is there as a puppeteer. God doesn't operate like this. He allows us to make our mistakes and goes our own way. But overall, if we trust the Lord, his plans, he has plans for us. This morning, he has plans for your life. And he has a plan for my life. Whatever age you are, however young you are, however old you are, God's got a plan. Listen to me, younger people. God's got a plan for your life. Get tuned into his programming. Get tuned in to listen to what that is, because he has a plan. Listen to what Stephen says in his explanation to the religious leaders in Acts chapter 7 about this. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. God knows where he wants you to be. And he knew where he wanted Joseph to be. By gum, (laughs) the plan was a bit rough along the way. But God knew where he wanted him to be. It would appear that Joseph didn't just cry to God to get him out of those situations. And we don't know, maybe he did. But Joseph was living in the situations. He knuckled down and he said, okay, if God wants to to be in the prison... I'm going to be in the prison. I'm 27 years of age. I just had the best job anyone could possibly want. And now I'm on my heels again. But I'm going to trust God and I'm going to see my way out. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't cry and go to a corner. But he allowed God to direct his life that the purposes of God would come through. And you know, when we're in our work situations and we are doing even the smallest thing for God, other people will recognize it. And when there is a need coming up, they will ask. Final testimony of the day is a very short one from Alan Sharp about what happened at work this week. Alan. Morning. This week, uh, my managing director came to me and he said, I wonder if you would speak to one of the guys in in the factory. And I said, no problem. He said, after you've finished your work, (laughs) as managing directors do, would you speak to him and stay, stay on later? And I said, yeah, no problem. So the lad came in and I said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, he said, I've had everything. I've had all the stuff. He says, but my life's empty. And I just feel I've got to speak to a Christian. <laughs> Interesting. And he said, there's just this gap. So I said to him, well, I know who can fill it. And I shared with him just the gospel of Jesus. I'll do this now just by some texts that I got from him. Just let me make my machine work again. Take your time. 
Time pressure. No pressure this morning. You can't have pressure in a sermon like this. Right, okay. I, I rang him to the following morning to see how he got on. I feel great today, energised, happy, excited. The chat we had yesterday was all I could think about last night. My wife was at work, so I didn't get a chance to tell her about it at all. He was very worried about his wife because she was anti-anything Christian and, and he, he didn't know how he was going to tell her. And I just said, just love her. Don't pressure her, just love her. So, thanks so much for the website. I, sent her. I can't thank you enough for all you've done. Sorry. Uh, and I sent him the sinner's prayer and he said, I can't thank you enough for all of this, Alan. For the first time in so, so long, I feel a sense of peace. And then I've got a message the following morning. I prayed the prayer last night, powerful and overwhelming. I feel great again today. I spoke to my wife last night, and I didn't get the reaction I was expecting. She said she would like to join me on the Alpha course. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. We're going to head to the warning gate next week. Have a great day, Alan. And the managing director came up to me and he said, Oh, um, I hear Lee's going on an Alpha course. I said, Yeah, he's intended to do that. I think I might like to go on one as well. Fantastic. And in God directing our lives, he directs us to situations and to people where we can just speak God into that situation and be a blessing. This is what it says of Joseph in Genesis 39.5. From the time Potiphar put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was upon everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Did you know that you can be a blessing to the place that you work in? That you can bring God's blessing and that they can prosper because of you? And look at the prosperity of a man... Being saved, a man coming to know the Lord or on the way to coming to know the Lord because of God's purposes for our lives. So this morning, if you're feeling pressured, sorry about the pressure I put under people who had to give testimonies, you're feeling stressed. What we need to remember is that the presence of the Lord is with us. The protection of the Lord is with us. And the purposes of the Lord are good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for the times that we get it wrong and that we really screw up badly. And we thank you for your forgiveness and your restoration. And Lord, as you look down upon our lives, our congregation here this morning, you see us all. You know us inside out. You know those of us who are feeling pressure and stress at the moment. And I pray by the power of your spirit that you'll draw us closer to you, that we might know your presence with us, that we might get alongside others and invite people alongside us to help us carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That we might recognize your protection over us, that you have grand plans and that you can see the end from the beginning. And that, Lord, you have indeed got purposes for our lives. That you will direct, O oh God, when we ask and when we trust you and we can trust your purposes. Father, we lift our lives to you this morning in surrender. We pray that we might be different because we know the Lord. That we might reflect your glory and shine that so that others would come to know you too. 
And we pray for our society, we pray for our town, our county, that, Lord, we would be the salt and light that you've called us to be. Even though times might be tough, shine, Jesus, shine, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And this morning, if you've been spoken to by anything that's been said, or the testimonies, or anything you've heard in the early part of the service, please, as we start to sing our final hymn, the prayer ministry team will come to my left here and be ready for you. Please, you know, we talked about you're not alone. Come for prayer this morning. You don't have to tell the prayer ministry team every little bit about what's going on. Just come and be prayed for, and you will find a great difference. Thank you.